Hi, this is Daz, and you're listening to Delving with Daz podcast. Hi, you are Delving with Daz again, and today we're so blessed to have with us a gentleman called Theo Hazelgrove. And Theo's been around this area for a long time, and he's been involved in many things, and we'll get into those things later. So welcome, Theo. Thank you. It's really good that you're here. So tell us about tell us about Theo. Let us get to know Theo, what he's like, what he's done in his life, where he grew up, all those sorts of things. Oh, thank you, Des. Well, I was born in Cessnock, in Cessnock? New South Wales. Yes. Wow. And my father worked in the mines. And, wow. Uh, yeah, we lived in a little home called Millfield all at right. Millfield. All right. And uh, what I remember is the. Uh, the whistle going off every day at three o'clock, and I used to say to Mum, "Oh, Dad's on his way home." Oh, nice! Because nice. he was finished work then for the day. Yeah, yeah. So I went to school there, primary school there, and yeah. then to Cessnock High School, and uh, uh, we had a very good family life. Uh, good. Two sisters and one brother. Okay, so you've you've fond memories of your childhood. Very good memories. Uh, ah, yeah. cool. What the, what are the highlights for you of your childhood? Maybe things that he, that people wouldn't think about. Yes, well, that's a good question. What I always remember is how hard my father worked. Uh, I can see him coming home from work and then putting plants and vegetables in the garden. And we yeah. we had a house cow where mum milked the cow every ah, morning. Right. We made uh, our own butter, uh, ice cream. Uh, we had our own milk. And much of uh, what we consumed was... What we grew. Yeah, cool. And of course in those days, it was after the war, so there wasn't much money around. No, no, not at all. A lot of strikes in the mines, so very little money. And my father then uh, had to take on a second job where he was the broad axe champion. And he used to cut railway sleepers and got 60 cents. The old wooden ones in those days, yeah. 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 Concrete today, but wooden railway sleepers. And uh, he he earned uh, 60 cents a sleeper. Wow. I mean, I don't know what that would be in today's money, but it, it wouldn't be very much anyway, would it? How long would it take him to cut a sleeper? Oh, about an hour. Wow, so it's like 60 cents an hour. Yeah, but that, that's long many time years ago. ago. Of course. Long so time it might ago. be 10 bucks or something. Yes, yeah. yes. Wow, even so, it's uh, that's hard work for very little. It is. Yeah. But what I always remember about my family is mum and dad worked together. Yeah. We always sat around the table and chatted each day about what happened during the day, talked yeah. about what's going on tomorrow, and then went to bed early. Yes. Another thing which I smile about when I tell you is we watched, or we listened to Dad and Dave oh, Dad and every Dave. day. Yeah. Yeah. There was no television in those yes. days, yeah. and we never had a telephone. Ah, okay, so you weren't going to be disrupted. No, but <laughs> then came the black and white pie TV yeah. And then the telephone. Yes, yes. And I remember when that arrived in the home. Wow, wow. Do you know what's interesting? Um, we're talking about families and so forth. And, you know, and I certainly remember in my day the family sitting around the table and doing things. And that was something my mum and dad were very keen on. And, and I wonder there's so many families now who don't do that. You know, they sit in front of the TV and, and have dinners in their lap. And yeah. it, it, it sort of destroys or breaks down the conversation in a family. And that's not healthy. No, it's not, and the world, as I see it, has changed dramatically yeah. today. It's so fast moving. Yeah. Every day it changes, and you yeah. only have to 
watch the news each day to see all the different changes in the world. Yeah. And you're caught up in it emotionally. Yeah, that's right. And and you you never knew about a lot of those things that were happening around yeah. the world. They probably were still happening back then, but you, you weren't it wasn't like real time news every minute, every hour, etc. Like something happens now in Ukraine, you know about it within ten minutes. You do. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm. Yeah, cool. So keep on to talking about your how you grew up, school life and all that sort of thing. Oh, yes. Well, uh, when I went to high school, we had to catch the double-decker red bus like the ones oh, yeah. they have in uh, England. Yes. I wagged school a few times oh. because I didn't like high school. Oh, wow. That is so un-Theo. <laughs> <laughs> it is. However, I remember standing outside the principal's office waiting for him to call me in to give me three on each hand. Oh, Yes. And I changed after that. Ah. Oh, uh. Yes. But uh, I lived, there was no university opportunity in those days. Ah, uh, right, okay. So at the intermediate certificate, it's time to go. Yes. So then I had to go out and uh, get a job. So I started milking cows. Oh, did you? Love cattle. Wow. And so I used to rise at 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Ride a bicycle five kilometres and whistle up the Kelpie dog, which... The owner owned, and uh, uh, the cattle would come up ready to be milked. Wow. And uh, I received one pound ten a week. So you're talking about you were milking the cows, and the cows come in and so forth. So that was your first job? Yes. And you know, the amazing thing is, Des, we had 110 Friesian cattle or Holstein, and we knew the names of everyone. Is that right? The they owner all had of the, individual names. Well, it was part of the. Uh, conditions of employment, you had to learn the names of every cow because they all had their own personalities. Wow. And and the farmer knew, the dairy farmer knew, and I got to know when one was out of sorts or of colour. Yes. And uh, so in those days I received the mighty sum of £1.10 a week. Wow. You were a millionaire. (laughs) And so when I came home, my grandmother, who was alive then, said, well, now... the first time I received a cheque for one pound ten, she said, "Now, ten shillings has to go to your mother for board. Ten shillings has to go to the church, right, for the work of God, and yes. you can have the other ten. Oh, wow! <laughs> and, and that was for seven days' work. Seven, seven days a week. Seven days a week. Wow! Well, wow. so what lessons did you learn through that? I mean, obviously, you learned yes. giving, which was a good thing. What else did you learn during that time? Stability, commitment, right, uh, understanding, loyalty. Yeah, loyalty is a big one, isn't and, it? And it's uh, those days. I I grumbled at times because I didn't receive enough money and asked the employer for more, and he said, "No, no, I'm not giving you any more money. You take it or leave it." Oh. And so I said, oh, "I'll take it." But I I learnt a lot about life from uh, having uh, to work hard. Yes. And to, to make my way in life. Yeah, so, I mean, money was short. So did you save or did you just enjoy what you had or how did that, that work? Well, I couldn't save much with uh, 10 shillings a week. No, no. But I bought myself a new push bike and uh, uh, there wasn't much opportunity to save. Yeah, to do much at all. So what, uh, what happened next in your life? Well, next in my life I uh, decided to apply for a job, I said to my father, uh, I think I need to leave the farm and I can do a little bit better. Yeah. So I 
applied to the Postmaster General's Department. Oh, right. To become a linesman. Oh, like the, the, the previous Telstra. Yes. Yeah, okay. And so I went to Goulburn ah. uh, to do my training. Right. A two years training. That would have been a bit of a culture shock, going from Cessnock to Goulburn. Well, it was. Not colder I, for a start. Freezing cold, and yeah. I had to live in a boarding house with 20 other guys from... From wherever. From yeah. w- they were doing their training. So everyone had different backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. A different personality. So I learned... That was my next stage in life where I learned a lot of lessons. Like, give me some examples of what lessons you learned. One of the lessons I learned was I wandered away from, for a while, from my the values of what my parents taught me. Right, right. Didn't get into trouble, but I could have easily. Yes. But some yeah. of the guys I wandered with got into trouble. Oh, right. And as I saw them getting into yeah. trouble, I was wise enough to say, ah, a bit of pullback. I, from I don't that. want to go there. <laughs> that was one of the main lessons yes. I, yeah. I learned. The other lesson was how valuable family is. That's good. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to come home as often as I could. Yes, yes. It was difficult in those days because it was it was the train. Oh, of course, yes, from Goulburn into Sydney and then oh, from Sydney out to Sydney the Sydney to Newcastle and Newcastle yeah. to Cessnock. And wow. So it was like... Uh, How long a, would that have taken you? About a day and a half. Is that right? Yes. Wow. I mean, you, th- you think of now in a car, you do it in, what, eight hours or something or whatever the number is. And, and now you're talking about a day and a half to get from uh, from Goldburn to back up to Cessnock. Yes. And then the reverse going back, of course. Yes. And so uh, you valued the time when you could get on the train and get off it and come home. And then the time was too short at home and you had to get on the train and yeah. get back. Yeah, yeah. So it was, you really enjoyed getting back with your family and yes. siblings and all those sort of things. Yes. So how long were you in Goldburn for? Two years. Two years, wow. Yes. You knew all about the, the telephone lines by then. Well, I don't know that I was a, a great linesman technician, but I went from there to uh, Sydney ah. when I qualified. Yes. And lived at Hornsby and worked oh, yeah. at West Ride. Oh, right. And so you know the trailers that they have behind vehicles with all the linesmen scare in? I used to go yeah. with a, somebody who was more qualified than me. Right. Uh, I think I made a lot of telephone mistakes <laughs> in those days. So blue, orange, green, brown, slate. Oh, the there colours you go. of the right. lines. Oh, the cable, little small cables. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my heart goes out to the Telstra technicians today who yeah. have to have to piece the wires in the right place. Yes, well, I mean, th- today it's a lot of it's fibre optic, so it's yes. actually a lot easier today mm. than it was then. But, boy, that's a lot of learning to do. It is. So what was your role in Sydney? Were you... Were you linesman. In, in, you were a linesman. So were you involved in the community in Sydney? or No, I wasn't actually. Uh, no. I uh, was married. Oh, you'd yeah. get married by this stage. Yeah, yeah, and then had a son. Yes. Right, cool. We know that son. Yes, we yes. know that boy. Yeah. <laughs> so I was totally consumed in those days and, yeah. and wasn't uh, didn't have the opportunity to get involved in the community. Oh, okay, you're just but so busy working and right. looking after family and all that sort of stuff. Yes. So did you maintain your faith during that time? Sort of in a casual way. But in those, in those days, I didn't have a lot of people around me like right. I've had in recent years that yeah. could speak into your life. Yes, of course. And was, that's so important, isn't it, for all of us? I was only 20 and 21. and Yeah, yeah. And, and I was trying to find 
survival in those days. Because there still wasn't a lot of money around then. And you had to work overtime as a linesman to earn any money worthwhile having. So you weren't at home much, I guess. Maybe at the weekend you were. Yes, but some days I worked. Some weekend Saturdays, uh, yeah, just yeah. to earn a, wow. a bit of bit of extra money. Yeah. So what happened next? Well, what happened next? In I fact, if you hold that thought, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and talk to. We're with Theo Hazelgrove, a great friend of ours from Q. You're listening to Delving with Des. You're back with Devling with Des, and we have Theo Hazelgrove with us from Q. And he's just been talking about life growing up with young family in Sydney as a linesman. So tell us how your life developed from there. You ended up having a daughter as well, of course. Yes. From Sydney, uh, my wife and I and Paul moved back home. Oh, back up to Cessnock. Yes, one of them moved back. And I applied for a job in uh, BHP in Newcastle. Oh, yes. And I became a forklift driver. Oh, did you? Yes. So that was, <laughs> and I used to do night shift. I'd uh, start at uh, yeah uh, eleven o'clock at night and finish at seven in the morning. Sometimes I did day shift, but mostly night shift, and that yeah. was uh, qu- quite different, very boring. But yeah. uh, look, it brought in a lot of extra money. Good. And uh, we bought a home in uh, Ellalong. Ellalong, which is Ellalong? Uh, near Millfield, just the other side of Cessnock, a little oh, right. village. Okay. Yes, and uh, uh, from uh, Ryland, so I had the opportunity then of working with Knight Brothers Cordial Cessnock. Oh, right, right. I applied for a job there, and uh, was there until I was twenty-seven years of age. Yes, and uh, then uh, back to Sydney, a new venture. Oh, really? Back um, to college. Oh, did you? I applied to go to college. I thought we had become more involved in the church. Oh, right, right. At Cessnock. So what church was that? The Salvation Army. The Salvation Army. And felt the call of uh, God. Right. Felt the call of God saying, up and out and on with me. Wow. And so we... uh, Wow. That's a strong message. Yeah, we applied to do two years residential training in Petersham in Sydney. Uh Uh-huh. And... uh, so then we were qualified after the two years to be appointed by the Salvation Army yes. to either a social appointment or a church. Oh, right. So where, where were you appointed? <laughs> we were, our first appointment was Tamora. Which is? Out near Griffith, oh, Wagga right. Wagga. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was exciting because it was a community of 4,600 people. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it was there that I blossomed in wanting to meet more people. Yes. Wanting to become more community-minded. Yes. And the Salvation Army became the vehicle to do that very uh-huh. easily. Yes. Good. I mean, so, they are such a, a social community organisation as well as being a faith organisation. Yes. I, mean, I mean, I can remember, you know, going, being in pubs and the, the guys coming around to collect money in the pubs and yes. whatever, yeah. Well, we did that. And at the same time, I became a member of the Tamora Rotary Club. Oh, right. Which was another vehicle. Yes, and I can always remember one of the leaders of the Salvation Army coming and saying to me, well, now I need to tell, teach you, young man, uh, how to get in touch with your community. Right. How to be, And so let's walk down your main street. We live near the main street. The church yeah, yeah. was near it. 
And so I can always remember Colonel Harry Goffin was his name. You remember his name, New wow. Zealand. Yeah. And as we walked down the main street, past all the shops, I used to look in and say, Hi, George. Oh, yeah. g'day, Theo. Come in for a coffee. Hi, Bill. <laughs> so I knew every shopkeeper right. by then. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, in those days, you'd, you walked rather than drove. Yes. And everything was close by. Yes. Yes. Uh, especially when you're near. You live near everything. Yes, of course. But they, they were good days, but we're only there 18 months. Right, right. And we had a church full of people by then. And so then the Salvation Army, in their wisdom, gave me a telephone call one day and said, you're on your way to Queen Bien. Queen Bien was the next church, the next stop for four years. How did you enjoy that? Loved it. Yeah? <laughs> yeah? What was mm. it special about that time? Well, by that time I'd... Learned how to contact the community. Yeah. I was then 31 years of age. Right. I used to go to the media every day, ah. uh, the newspaper, I got to know them. And yeah. uh, I used to write for the Queen Bee and Age every week. Wow. Write an article. They said, oh, you've got, you have to write for the, uh, uh, the our paper every week. And so what sort it. of subjects did you write about? Well, Mr. Whittle was the Prime Minister at the time. Right. So there, I used to write borderline articles on faith and politics and ah. our, what our view should be in relation to different right. aspects of life right. that were occurring today. Uh, Non-controversial, mm. but I did a street ministry in those days and the hotel ministry. Wow. And people used to come up to me after they'd read the paper Yes. And it gave me an opportunity to have a great discussion. Oh, right. With them. And uh, I can always remember going to Parliament House steps, the old Parliament House, yes. and wanting to talk to the Prime Minister and his car would pull up at the front and he'd walk straight past me and wouldn't even acknowledge me. And I went back to the Rotary Club at Queen Bean, I was a member of, and, and uh, in those days women and children were sleeping out on the street. Right. It was terrible. Yeah. Uh, homelessness then. Yeah, wow. And uh, uh, Alwyn Scott, who ran what was called Youth and Community Services, said, yeah. young fellow, why are you all down on the mouth today? And I said, well, the Prime Minister won't talk to me and I want to build uh, accommodation for women and children. He said, well, why don't we do it? The club's in the community. So I used to meet regularly with the magistrate, the mayor, the inspector of police. So we got together in 12 yeah. weeks, we built... On Salvation Army land, yeah. hotel-style units. Wow. And wow. Uh, accommodation for men. So even back then you had this vision of homeless people and wanting to help them and so forth. Yes, it all started then. And uh, Darcy Leo was the magistrate of the day, and he rang me one day and said, would you come to the cells twice a week, Theo, which was walking distance from yeah. where I lived, yeah. and... Would the Salvation Army be interested in taking passengers rather than sending them to jail? Now, a passenger is somebody, a young person that's gone along with a more seasoned criminal oh, and committed right, a crime, but right. it might be their first crime. So I used to go to the cells and then when it'll have morning tea with the magistrate. Yeah. Then he'd go on the bench at 11 and then he'd hit the bench hard, call the young fellow in and say, yeah. what do you want to do? Do you want to go to jail or rehabilitate yourself with this, the Salvation Army and this guy, they always came my way. Wow, of course uh, they would, why wouldn't they? Yeah. And we took them back to our accommodation. Yeah. And they had to start work straight away. And yeah. Well, we had 
many wonderful stories of uh, young people who never put a foot wrong after that. Give us a couple of examples, (coughs) if you can. Uh, John, he uh, was 21. He went to work straight away for the dry cleaners Ah. locally, who was a very good man. He put on a lot of the people from the courts. John stayed with us for six months. Normally, they only stay a month or two. Yeah. And then he came to me one day and he said, uh, Theo, I think I need to go back to my family and tell them I'm sorry. His family lived in Queensland. Yes. I said, would you like me to contact them? Now, we never, ever put pressure on yeah. people to contact their family. We sure. waited till they were ready. Yes. So I contacted his family. It was a great joy to take him to the airport and yeah. wow. and, for, and to go home to his family and... Uh, he kept in contact for years. Wow. Uh, another story is of a, a young man who helped rob the Cooma Mail. Oh, really? In those days, yeah. <laughs> passenger he was. Yeah. And he he worked at the dry cleaners. Yeah. And when I'd moved to DY years ago to live, a guy tapped me on the shoulder as I was about to be the MC for the carols by candlelight. Oh, right. And he, he had a lady with him and two children. He said, do you remember me, Theo? I saw your name in the paper and had to come down here and see you. I said, oh, please refresh my mind, because this is years yes, and years later. Yeah. He said, well, you got me out of the cell that day. And wow. he said, I've never put a foot wrong, and this is my wife and two children. Wow. And he said, I have a cleaning business now. Oh, right. Yeah. That's so, amazing. Uh, so there would be dozens. Uh, there are many other dozens, stories like yeah, that. Dozens and dozens of people you have helped in that situation. Well, you open a door for them, Des. Yeah, you, yeah. You give them, you try and empower them. Yes. And help them to make their own decisions yes. rather than, like it's so easy if you're running a charity today to let people make decisions for you. And I always say to people who I've trained, volunteers, if you don't set boundaries for people, they set them for you. Yes, that's true. And that's so true. we had what you call very healthy boundaries. Mm. You might say strict but healthy, yes, healthy boundaries, and people knew where they could move and where they stood, and and people who wanted to grow and wanted to progress in their life would would do it. Yes, and uh, some didn't, but mm. uh, most mostly they did. Yes, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back shortly with Theo Hazelgrove. You're listening to Delving with Des. You're back with Delving with Des, and we have Theo Hazelgrove with us right now. And Theo's been talking about the Salvation Army and the work he was doing in uh, in Queanbeyan. So, Theo, take us on a very quick journey of being in Queanbeyan and becoming part of the Port Macquarie community. Okay, well, there's a few years in between that, yeah, Des, yeah. of course, where uh, after 20 years full-time wow. as a Salvation Army officer... God was saying, there's a move afoot for you. Right. And so I stepped aside from full-time Salvation Army so work. So just, oh, just on that, Theo, I'm just breaking in for a minute. How did you recognise the call of God in that way? Can I ask you that? Yes. Well, I didn't hear him uh, like you're speaking to me now. Yeah. yeah. But within me, I heard him. Yes. It's, it's quite hard to explain, but... Yeah. Uh, when God talks to you, you know it's yes. Almighty God. Is you get a peace about it? Is that yeah, yeah? an absolute peace? Yeah. yeah, and you have an absolute direction. Yes, to take. Yes, and it's 
you know, so clear. And uh, if you follow that way, you can't go wrong. Yeah, good advice. Good advice. So our journey, our last appointment was Chatswood in Sydney. Oh, right, right. Uh, where we were for a number of years. And then we we found ourselves in Queensland, right. in, in Harvey Bay. Oh, Harvey Bay, yeah, lovely part That's of the right. world. Where, uh, um, would you believe, I like doing things that are different, and a friend of a friend who became a friend in Harvey Bay found difficulty in his life, so I took over his real estate agency. Oh. Never done that before. That was no. exciting. And I bought the Australian ice creamery <laughs> in Harvey Bay. But the most exciting thing I did in Harvey Bay was worked at the crematorium. Most people wouldn't call that exciting. Well, the exciting <laughs> part of it was, and I used to say to people, you see those people walking in there now, you knew why they were coming. Yes. You yes. knew what your role was. Yes. And that was, there was no selling, there was no pretense. Yes, yes. You listened, and so I did grief support. Wow. And in the community wow. with uh, the magistrate and the principal of the high school, we did grief support on the weekends. Wow, wow. For, um, families of, uh, where there was suicide or oh, murder. Oh, right. Yes. So I did that for many years, and at the yeah. same time, Right next door on 40 acres assisted uh, Keith Stevenson uh, build Harvey Bay Baptist Church. Oh, right. Okay. So if you go there today, right next to the crematorium, yeah, there's a church that seats 2,000 people and yeah. uh, it's all paid for. Uh, God wanted it built again. Yeah. Man, a man called Keith heard the voice of God. Mm. He said, go and do this. And against all odds, yeah. there was no money to start with. And him and I went around to several people and said, we need 40000 by tomorrow to buy this block of land. Yeah. Uh, will you loan us to us? Yes. Well, they uh, eventually donated it all. That, wow. All that. But if you go there today, it's a very fine church and yeah. doing uh, great things for the community. And we lived at Takura, which was on a property yeah. just out of Harvey Bay. Right. And so uh, how did I find my way to Q and Kendall? Yes, yes. Well, my wife, who's the local osteopath here, I met yeah. her. Yeah. And she lived here. Oh, so, oh there you go. <laughs> so I found myself coming here. And, of course, Paul yes. and his wife have lived in this area yeah, for, for a long years. Time. So it was a, an easy move to make. Yes. And... Uh, so now I've been uh, with my wife Peggy here running her clinic yes. at Kew. And uh, then, of course, uh, I wanted to get involved in the community. Yeah. And through the Rotary Club again, I've mm-hmm. been over 50 years now in the Rotary Club. Wow. Uh, it was so easy to to adopt the vehicles that allow you to meet people in the community. Yes, exactly. To help you meet people in the community. So what was the driver behind... The organisation that you lead now, which is called Community at Three, what was the driver <laughs> that led you to do that? Well, it was eight years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I was speaking with the uh, Reverend uh, of the Anglican Church, yeah, Nathan Killick. Right. And uh, Rob Dwyer from the United Service Club, who's the general manager, yeah, uh, who said they were going to have a public meeting to discuss what to do with the homeless in the area. There were 16 wow. known homeless 
at that time. Right. And would I come to the public meeting? Okay, well, I didn't realise at the time. When I got there, they said, oh, would you put your hand up there? You've done this before. And so I said, yes, look, okay, that that's great. I felt compelled. Yes. But I had to put a proviso on it. I said, look, I'll do it for 12 months and get it cracking for you. All right. So <laughs> I'm what, still there later. after eight years <laughs> later. But it's very rewarding. The sad part is there's there's, there's known 41 homeless known oh, really? to our organisation today yeah. they're, and they're people living in cars. They're not couch surfers. All oh, right, okay. So yeah. I would say there's a 100% increase in homelessness in our area here, mm. which takes in from Lake Cadai. That's not including Port Macquarie, right, right. around okay, these so areas just here. Right, sides of Port Macquarie. Mm. So what does Community at Three do? There's obviously a key in the name, but what is what are the what is the extent? Because I know you do a lot of things with people. Explain what you actually do. At the beginning, we decided, well, let's have a meal, yeah, and try and bring people out. And of course, it's not easy to get homeless people out. Yes, when people want, I know people who are trying to start movements for the homeless, and it's yes. not working because to understand a homeless person is to try and understand that behind their face are many, many issues mm. that's led them to homelessness. So we yeah. said, let's have a good meal. Let's yes. give them the same sort of food we would eat. Wow, that's a good principle. And Rob Dwyer said, look, why don't you have it at the back of the club here? And we'll sponsor you. Right. So we started uh, eight years ago with a meal. Uh, uh, we did a, a little survey, what should we call this group? Someone said, well, it's community, so let's call it community. And we meet at 3 o'clock, so let's call it community at 3. Oh, there you go. So every Wednesday at 3 o'clock, yeah. behind the United Service Club, anyone's welcome to come if you're lonely or, or you don't have to be homeless. If you're lonely, you can come. Yeah. But after being there for a little while, Des, we decided, well, feeding people a meal is not enough. We need to look after the total person. Yes, yes. social Spiritual, physical, wow. mental. That's a big step from where it, you were. It, it is a big step. And we had so many men coming with mental health issues. Right, right. One of the great uh, things that happened to us, our patron is a doctor, Dr. Sam Nilapati. Ah, right. From Lake Caddo Medical. Yes, so yes. he sees people immediately. Wow. Uh, yeah. That have issues. Wow. So if you can imagine, like we've had 60 to 70 people at a barbecue. Yes. Uh, we don't want too many uh, new ones each week because yeah. it's very hard to handle people with a, yeah. a lot of issues yes. all at once. But we have uh, 41 frontline volunteers. 41? And 150 volunteers, Wow. extender volunteers that we can call on at any, wow. any time to assist us. And some of those volunteers have been there for eight years. But some of the things we do is this. We reconnect people with their families. Oh, right. And society. Yes. We help them get a job. Right. We help them find accommodation. We help them with their finances. We help them, of course, with clothing and food. Wow. Uh, just before you came today, I helped the guy who's going to court tomorrow. Right. Uh, with his court appearance. We help them when they come out of prison. We have a little vehicle donated sitting at the front there uh, that um, 
if people are left behind, they've got to get to oncology and they can't get transport. I ring somebody and they drive them to the hospital. Right. So what we try and do, as the need arose, we try and create a system yes. to support that need. We're going to take another short break and then we'll come back into a little more detail into Community at Three. We'll be back shortly. You're listening to Delving with Des. Hi, we're back with Delving with Des and we have Theo Hazelgrove with us. And we just before the break, we were talking about Community of Three and how Theo and his team, extensive team actually, and we'll talk about that in a moment, how he works with people who are homeless in the community holistically, not just giving them food, but helping them, helping their confidence, helping them get a job, whatever that looks like. Theo, tell me how most service organisations like yours struggle to get volunteers to help do that work and you were saying you had 41 frontline volunteers and over 100 other volunteers involved indirectly how did you manage to round up all those people well they came forward themselves this <coughs> it wasn't difficult at all because when as i see when the community see what's happening and uh, we've, we've been in the courier every week Oh, right. Offering support for homeless people. People volunteer. They want to come forward and assist their community. Oh, good. So we've, we've uh, had doctors. We've got retired businessmen and women. We've got, uh, well, you wouldn't know, we've a scientist. Yes. He, he a doesn't, scientist. He doesn't tell anyone he's a scientist. He just... Yes. Uh, just part of the community. That's right. Yeah. And the doctor there mm-hmm. never tells... Uh, we've got... Dr. Sam Nalpati, the patron, would probably have another doctor. Yeah. People would know he's a doctor because he doesn't tell them. See, what, what happens is the strength of it is this. People come to the barbecue. We don't put any pressure on them to uh, conform to any boundaries that we set. We give them a good meal. They take food home, clothes or bedding, whatever they need. Uh, if they're new, we follow them up. Uh, the volunteers have a meal with them and sit with them. Good. And so we wait for them to say, oh, look, could I talk to somebody? I yeah, I need some help. So they're 50% there yes, yes. when they say that. Yes, of course they are. So we're, not a, we're, not, we're a registered charity, but we're not a charity that uh, says, look, uh, here's some food and here's some money. Hope it all works out for you. No, now, no. What we want to no, do is... That doesn't is, work, it doesn't. No, no. We yeah. want to walk, walk a journey with them to wow. the end of the line. We want to see them... Yes. Back with their families, in a job if there's possible, living life uh, that's good. I'll, I'll give you one example of, uh, yeah. uh, there are uh, many, many, many examples, but uh, one of a um, young couple in their 30s and two children sleeping in the arcade in oh. Laurenton a few weeks ago. So I went in there at 8 o'clock at night, brought them out here. Uh, they had a shower and some food. And then my next question would be, do would uh, how can we help you? And do you have any family in the area? Wife said, "Oh, we I've got a sister, but we don't talk. We oh. fell out years ago." Oh. So, in the course of conversation, I was able to get her to say, "Look, I'd like to talk to my sister." I think, and so we called her sister, nine o'clock at night in Newcastle, who was very uh, emotional. Yes, and her and her husband and their, and their people mover drove up here and picked them up. Wow. Uh, they got here at 11. Yeah. And they, and they said, you'll have to sleep on our lounge room floor in Newcastle at the moment. 
but they're better on the lands to employ down there yeah, no, no, than the yes. arcade here. Yes. So we've sent 26 out of town this wow. year. Wow, wow. Reconnect them with family in uh, Sydney, Newcastle, Tamworth, Bulladeela and Coffs Harbour. Wow. And our ultimate goal is to to get people established in their life. Yes, that's so you important. Yeah. We're a faith-driven movement, but we don't put our faith at the front and say, right, uh, we're God people, so you need to go to church. Yeah, no. Invariably, they, uh, many of them come and say, look, uh, uh, you're a faith-driven movement. They see the cross. Yeah. Uh, how can I become part of that? Is so, that the sort of thing they ask? Yeah, that's right. And we've got ah. quite a number of people that have found their way spiritually yeah, yeah, in their cool. life, as they've done socially and uh, physically. Yes. Uh, we've got some people that haven't eat, eaten a decent meal for months. And can you imagine what they look like? Oh, yeah. And what they feel like? Yes. Okay, and when exactly. they get a bit of good food and a nice yeah. shower and some good clothes. Well, they have no self esteem. Yeah. Their, their whole view of their own world would be terrible. Yes. Yeah, wow. They get a good place to sleep. Their life changes and they, yeah. they want to then move on. Yes. They get a taste again. Yes, of, of what uh, life can be. Yes. Wow. I mean, things that would do for their self confidence, for their. Self-esteem, their their personal pride, all those things would be impacted by that. Yes, that's amazing. So, how many people do you have coming to your meals now? Well, the winter time is quieter, right? Because it's as I said earlier, with homeless people, they rug up where they are. Yes, if it's cold, they don't want to go out and meet anyone. So we go to them. Good. We take good. food to them. Yeah, that's good. Where where they are. But average 40 to 60. That's a lot of people. Of Wednesday. I mean, that's a lot of food. Yes. So how do you get the food? Where does the food come from? Is it donated or...? Well, yeah, the the Oz Harvesters now come on board and they're amazing. Oh, yes, we know Oz Harvesters. Yeah, Yeah. Oz Harvesters do a great job. But we don't get any government grants. Right. We've tried uh, hard uh, through governments and uh, to get financial support. Yeah. But it's supported completely by the community, right. by donations. People donate food, perishable or non-perishable, and they donate cash. Wow. And so everyone who's there is a volunteer. They pay their own way, yes. their own telephones and everything. Yeah. And one of the great things the, which stands community in three in good stead, all the women volunteers have provided the desserts, oh. every barbecue since we've been there. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> and we've got very, very generous yeah. businesses in the community. The, yeah. uh, you know, the butcher gives us a discount and we get bread. and uh, Wow. But it's all good food. We yes. give them. We don't give them anything that we you, wouldn't you consider you eating ourselves. Yeah, wow. That's, that's amazing. So <laughs> if people wanted to help uh, through donations, how would they go about doing that? Would they contact you or how would that happen? <laughs> We have a website. They can do it in two or three different ways. We have a website, which is community at at-numeral-3.org.au. They can make a donation through PayPal there. Yeah. Or they can make a donation uh, online. So that that, uh, email address, again, is community at 3 p.m., at gmail.com. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And the website is community at 3.org.au. 
Yes. Wow, or, that's fantastic. Or they could call uh, the number the there. The no number is 0419-370-076. Yes. And we're tax deductible, so $2 and over is tax deductible. And, uh, yeah. Oh, that's, gr that's great. So people in the community who maybe are hearing about Community at Three for the first time, what would you say to those people in terms of helping you, in terms of the organisation, your face side, all of those things? What would you say? Well, the first thing is, and most important, is the skills that people have. Yeah. And we have a lot of people that have moved to the area here from Sydney. Yes. Uh, that... If they've got time on their hands through the week or on the weekend, I'd like to come and talk to me about being a volunteer. That's the yeah. first thing. Yeah. Because uh, we, we value the input of the skill set of people. We have a nine people on our leadership team. Right. And we have a retired solicitor who's the secretary and re wow. retired uh, uh, manager of a, a nursing home on the on the team as well. And, wow. And so we're propelled and a doctor. Yes. Uh, and the patron, the doctor. So we propel forward with the skill set of other people. Yes. Uh, the second thing is if people feel they'd like to make a donation financially to do that, mm -hmm. or they could come to Q Corner Store. Everyone knows where Q Corner Store is. Yeah. And deliver non-perishable food. Right. And there's a money uh, tin in there as well. Oh, wow. Wow, cool. Uh, and uh, so Q Corner Store is a very vital part of... Yeah, All that we do here yeah, uh, with yeah. Community at Three. So um, some uh, advice maybe based on your life experience. Uh, you're a little bit older than me, but, you, but, you get, but you've got a lot of wisdom you know, for you. What advice would you give to people in terms of maybe the community or in terms of faith? What would you say to people? <laughs> well, what I see today, does in our community, is a lot of fear. Yeah. yeah. And one of the... One of the uh, Levels of advice we give our volunteers to convey to people is first of all to listen to them, but the advice to give them to them is to talk to people yes. about how they feel. Yes, That's don't good feel bad because you have an issue in your life. Yeah, and you might think it's bad, but if you share it with somebody and get their advice, it's only half as bad as what it yes. would be before. Yes. So. The most important advice today, what I see, is with people withdraw, yes. they watch the news, yeah. they're frightened about the world scene, the changing scene locally, the the increase in rentals, what's going to happen yeah. if, if I lose my home, what's going to happen if I lose my job? Yeah. Well, the, you know, talk to your family about it. Yeah. That's yeah. the most important thing. Absolutely. But also talk to somebody else. And if you are somebody that, once went to church, and you don't go to church at the moment, maybe a, a, your church is a good place to start to meet new people. Yes, yes. And uh, I, I find that uh, when I go to church myself after church, I always learn something every Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they have uh, coffee and tea after, yeah. and you're able to chat to people. But the, the most important advice is don't withdraw. Yeah. Talk to people. Share your, your issues with people. With mental health issues in the area, particularly with men, yes. men withdraw, yes, and uh, particularly uh, with suicide, yes, huge uh, issue. You know, I've, I've dealt with that for years, and would love to be in there just to yeah. listen to that person. Yeah.
before they did the deed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So well, this has been a great conversation. We've been talking with Thea Hazelgrove uh, from Community at Three. Thank you, Theo, for your time. It's been really great chatting with you. Thank you very much, Des. You have been listening to the podcast of Delving with Des.